Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So, um, we're starting a kind of new bit of a series following on, um, it's called Spiritual Warfare, um, but it's built around the side of the church in the dirt. So like we looked the last few weeks, this, this thing that's kind of conceptualised from the woman caught in a door to where Jesus is in the dirt with her, the idea that that's where the church is meant to be. Not that it's messy or that it's full of rubbish, but actually it's in a space where, he, where people are, where humanity is. And that the same way that Jesus encountered this woman um, and restored her is the same thing that we as a church are meant to do and live and be. That we're meant to be in a place where we restore people back to who they were, no matter what they are like, whether they are legalistic and, and, and um, kind of judgmental or whether they are vulnerable and hopeless, that both extremes were there to, to be people that bridge and bring hope to them. Um, so this morning we're looking at this idea that, that we want to bring heaven to earth because that's really what spiritual warfare is. It sometimes is hijacked to be this thing of... Um, kind of let's just shout the loudest or let's just scream at stuff or let's just exercise demons from people or whatever it may be and whilst um i'm not saying there's not a spiritual element to that there absolutely is but that spiritual element is really to do with bringing heaven to earth bringing bringing the life of the kingdom into into the everyday here and now of people's lives and that's what it is it's not some weird wacky thing that exists out here in a way that's irrelevant but it's something that's very present and very real and therefore we're going to look at it from four different aspects in the next few weeks look at it to do with time look at it to do with words and prayer and resources but look at how we use those things that are in our hands how we use them to to bring heaven to earth how we use those aspects to bring change of a system of the world to bring the system of our God and, and I'm going to show you a video clip in a minute it's one of my favourite TV shows few of you know it but some of you may not have seen it before um, but he uses a phrase in the little trailer you'll see now and he says that we so often talk about the system needing to change he says that we are the system and therefore we need to change and the, just the power of that statement in the sense that so often we can be so fixated on I hate the way that works or the system's broken or there's problems with this there's problems with that there's problems with that and we almost become anti something that we become anti a world system that we become anti something and while there's nothing wrong necessarily with being anti a system that creates poverty or anti a system that creates exclusion or anti a system that creates whatever it may be there is something wrong with being just anti and the idea is that actually we are bringing change to a, to a world system because we've been caught by another system that we're pro the kingdom we're we're pro-love, we're pro-heaven, and therefore that pro-mindset, that thing that's caught us elsewhere, causes us to bring change into the world and the places and the spaces we go to. Because we're pro-this that brings change to that. We're not anti-that. Because if I become anti-something, then I just create another negative thing. But if I'm pro-something, then I bring heaven and love into earth. And therefore it's so important. But I wanted just to show you this clip anyway, just, just as a kind of a... Um, little inspirational start thing and just a plug for the film the TV show because I like it a lot Itself. We perform the world's first C-section and the world's first maternity ward. I know the history. The dean makes me tell it to 
every new medical director. And how many of those have you worked with? Five. In five years. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hand? Great. Great. Thank you. You're all fired. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. So, how can I help? You know, we all feel like the system is too big to change. We'll call you when we have a doctor available, okay, huh? We are the system, and we need to change. Let's be doctors again. To the morning show. I actually expect you to practice medicine because that's your job. You're funny. We have a patient presenting all signs of malaria, TB, or. So for me, it's a really powerful thing because it, the whole point of it is that there's a realisation of actually how can I change to change this thing around me? And it stops us becoming like that thing over there is the thing that needs to change and starts to become, okay, this thing needs to change, but actually that starts with me. And it's the beautiful idea that actually how can I adjust me to change this, this thing that I see as wrong? How can I change me to change this thing that actually is... Is, is negatively affecting people, is stopping people from living life. And that's kind of what I want to want to look at. If you just go to Psalm 23, um, I'm going to start there. Because it's... What we can do with our time to love people and bring heaven to earth. What we can do with our words to love people and bring heaven to earth. And what we can do with our prayer and our resources to love people and bring heaven to earth. And I want to look at the time thing because time is so ab abstract that it's hard to kind of almost conceptualise and hard to bring into the real sometimes. But I was thinking about time and the idea that we live obviously a very linear existence that we, we believe in the fact we're born and we believe in the fact that, that one day we'll die. And therefore we live this kind of linear existence and or we can make it sound more beautiful in that, that we have this journey that we live out through life, that we, that we start our journey and we're heading somewhere. And you see that in the life of Jesus, that Jesus started his journey and was heading somewhere. And even if we, obviously, would understand the fact that 
before our birth we were in God before before that when we die that we we go and be back with him that when we step out sort of time in that we're still in this earth realm on this kind of trajectory of time that time starts and time ends the, the and therefore because of that what it creates is a press on time whether I believe that actually before time began I was outside of time and when time ends I'll be outside of time again and time won't be oppressed. Whilst I'm on earth, time becomes oppressed. Time becomes something that becomes valuable whether I consciously accept it or I just um, try and ignore it. The idea is that time is pressing in and we feel that pressure to make the most of our time to to what have i done with my day what have i done with my week what have i what's happened in the last year that is significant that is important that is noteworthy and time becomes this kind of thing that presses and pushes and we have this idea that by the time i'm 30 by the time i'm 35 by the time i'm 40 by the time i'm 50 these will be the things that i have accomplished these will be the things that will be established in my life that by the time i'm a certain age i'll have a house then maybe we'll have kids and obviously before that i've got married and then um, one day I'll, I'll kind of have a bit of financial freedom because I've paid off our mortgage or then we'll have a bit more financial freedom and time because I've retired and we have these constant things that are constantly measured by time and nothing wrong with that but the challenge of that is is it means time becomes a pressure <coughs> and therefore the challenge is how do we use that time to to love people because so often we see money and we see even prayer and we see even our words as things that we can use to love people i say kind words and that that's loving to people i i give money to the poor i kind of provide for friends and family when they need it um i spend some time in prayer for people in situations but actually giving up my time is is just as significant and those things might be connected to that but giving up my time perhaps becomes a more precious thing especially when the people I'm giving time for don't seem to value the time I'm giving up. And that's when the pressure comes because we want every bit of our time to be worthwhile, to have value attached to it, to have a significance attached to it. And I want to look at the life of Jesus and see actually that wasn't always the case for him. And that using time in this kind of like purposeful, driven, focused kind of way, whilst Jesus did that, he also didn't do that. And there was points in his life and in his walk where actually he, he took a risk with time. He took a risk with the time he had. Bearing on mind he had those 33 years, so even a reduced amount than we did. But he took a risk with that time he had. So actually, I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to invest time into something that actually might not work. I'm going to invest time into something that actually might not change anything. That might not matter at all, but I'm going to do it because when I give you my time, I'm changing this system that says you've got to kind of make sure you work hard you invest your time and you get a reward at the end of it so that which i'm going to invest my time as an act of love as an act of sacrifice because i care and i love and i want that and even if it doesn't pay off i'm investing that time anyway so look at three different kind of examples and the first one we look at is the most obvious one and it's this idea of of giving time so if you just go to luke 9 Luke, you, you, you can just turn to chapter 9 of yourself. Um, <laughs> verse 7. So Luke 9, verse 7. These are f- familiar stories, but I just want to pull out a couple of things from it just to do this idea. So Luke 9, verse 7. And it says this. Now Herod the tech. Tetrarch, however, whatever it is, heard of all that was done by him, Jesus, 
And he was perplexed because it had been said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. And the apostles, when they had returned, told Jesus all that had been done. Then he took them and went to Zyprote into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. So there's a time thing here. John the Baptist has been beheaded. We know this is a different version. It doesn't follow the same thing. But John the Baptist has been beheaded. Herod is seeking Jesus probably for a very similar reason. To try and stop him. To try and overthrow him. To try and restrict what he's doing. Jesus is an element of mourning and of sadness that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And this idea that, that his life is under threat and therefore he wants to make the most of, of the time he has. And so he pulls himself aside in verse 10 with his disciples. And it says this in verse 11. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and sat said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we've no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all those people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to the disciples, make them sit in groups of 50. And they did so. And he made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them. And said to them, the disciples, um, said to them, to, to, to the disciples to set them before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of leftovers, fragments were taken up by them. It's a famous story about three and the 5,000. But the amazing thing for me is that Jesus needed t- time and space. He needed that time and that space because of what had happened with John the Baptist, because of what happened in terms of what he's doing before. There's a press on him. And in that time and space to withdraw himself separately, he was followed and people pursued him and people wanted his time. Now, some of those people wanted his time because he was famous at this point in time. His name has come to Herod. Some of those people who needed wanted him because they wanted to learn about the kingdom, about living the way that he was starting to show his living. Some of those people just had a need of healing and therefore he healed them. But the idea is that in amongst all of that, there's people. There's people clamouring after him. There's people wanting him. And yet in that moment, what he clearly wanted or needed was time. And yet he chose in that moment to say, actually my time is going to be given to you. I'm not just going to give my time to you for a short period of time, but when the opportune moment to send you away comes, when the moment comes to say, actually, that's enough of my time now, that's enough of the time I've invested now, you need to go to your own place and get your own food and get that kind of stuff. He then invested more time into these people, the time to eat together. And the idea is in this moment that, that whether every single person appreciated or valued or, or recognised that, Jesus is using time as a tool to say, I'm here, I love you, I care for you. He's investing that time he has to say, actually, I'm giving it into you. I'm sowing this time into you. Even though I needed that time right there and then, I'm going beyond that. I'm, I'm tapping into a resource that's bigger than that. I'm tapping into a resource that's bigger than the, this finite world in the same way that I multiplied the food for the 5,000. In the same way that there was more than enough healing for those who came and had need. In the same way that all those things, I'm going to tap into a resource that's bigger than this time space world and I'm going to receive what I need to be able to give you time and give you what you need. 
And so this idea of giving time is also shown in another one. The, the, for me, the significance of that is that he needed the time himself, and yet when there was a press on him, he gave that time anyway. Another really significant one in the same thing, if you just go to Mark 5. And it's verse 21. There's a whole host of gone on before this. I'm not going to go into right now in terms of Jesus um, calming the storms, healing the demon-possessed man, etc., etc. We pick it up in verse 21. And it says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the side, a great multitude were gathered to, to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, um, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell down at his feet, and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at a point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. It's again this idea of pressing on Jesus for his time, for him. Um, Verse 25, Now a certain woman had flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I only may touch him his clothes I shall be made well immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction and Jesus, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him turned around in the crowd and said who touched my clothes but his disciples said to him you see the multitude thronging and you say who touched me and he looked around to see who had done this thing but the woman fearing and trembling knowing that what happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your affliction while he was still speaking some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said your daughter is dead why trouble the teacher any further as soon as he heard the word that was spoken he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do, do not be, be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no, and permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a, a tumult um, and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when he had put them all outside, he took the father and an and the mother of the child, and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with a great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and that something should be given to her to eat. It's a long story, but I want to pull out one thing, and it's one verse that for me is, is hugely significant in this whole flow. That Jesus come from somewhere else he's on this journey this idea that i'm coming from where i am and he, his, his ultimate dead destination is jerusalem his ultimate destination is to die on the cross that's his ultimate focus but he's following and he's moving through this journey and he's stepping step by step and he's just crossed over the sea he's just healed a demon possessed man he's coming and again there's a crowd of people there and he's still moving forward and then he's been caught by this guy the ruler of the synagogue Jairus and, and been asked can you go there for me and he said yeah of course I can go there and we know the story that there's a crowd thronging around him all wanting some of his time all wanting some of his attention all wanting some of him and then they, this, this woman touched the hem of his garment and it says um, in verse 30 and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out turned around and the beautiful thing about that is this is this is God in flesh 
this is the the kind of creator of the universe they, this is is Jesus who's on a journey and yet on that journey a woman touches the hem of his garment and he turns around but on that journey he stops to say actually I'm going to not just because she was healed as soon as she touched the hem of his garment she said as soon as she she felt it she felt she was healed but he still stopped he still stopped and said who's done that and turned around the idea that turning his his back on the press of going from here to there the press of going okay I've got this job done now I need to get the next job done or I've got these things done in my life now I need to get these things done in my life that he turned his back on that system he turned his back on that thing that says Jesus you've got to go from here to there here's your next um, appointment here's your next to do thing on your list here's your next stage that, that he almost broke free from that system and turned around and turned around to the person in that crowd the person who had felt ashamed and guilty wasn't allowed out but turned around to give her his time and his attention and wasn't even pushed by the good deed of healing Jairus's daughter because knows he's not pressed by time he's like there's a limited amount of time left in Jairus's daughter's life there's a small amount of time therefore that seemingly is the time press that's the thing I've got to get to that's the job I've got to get done that's the thing on my list I've got to make sure I achieve because she's got less time this woman has just touched the hem of his garment and been made well so really if you look at it from a healing point of view this one's done this one's finished because she's well I can need to go on and go to that situation because that girl's about to die before that's my time press but no she's not pressed by that realm of stuff he's not moved by that it's like okay I need to do something here and give this woman my time I'm going to turn my back on the press of time I'm going to turn my back on the to-do list on the appointments on all that kind of stuff because actually I'm going to give her my attention not even half my attention not like kind of like hey yeah it's nice to see you great I'm really glad you're done and then go but turns his attention speaks to her engages with her and then goes now this situation now seems hopeless but it just shows again he's just outside of this realm of time he's not dictated to by time he's not said well you've missed it now Jesus she's dead now Jesus you've passed that point in time he's going actually no no time is not dictating to me I'm dictating to it so I'll go back and she'll not come back to life she's only sleeping it's a temporary state it's not a permanent state because time isn't my isn't my governor it's not my ruler and just in those two moments those two beautiful situations he's demonstrating that he gives his time that it's an intentional thing I'm giving my time to these people I'm giving my time to these situations as a as a thing that breaks the system that's so pressing and so pushing he gives his time to break that open the other really amazing thing about Jesus is he gives time to himself as much as we talk about that he also uses time for him if you just go to Luke 5 talking a lot about you this morning Luke I can see that Luke 5 um, we'll start at verse 12 just give a bit of context Luke 5 verse 12 so Jesus gives time to others as a gift as a demonstration of love but as a demonstration of this is what heaven looks like but then he also uses time for himself. 
he takes that time and says, actually, no, this is time I'm setting aside to, for me. And he's not against that. Because as we get into this kind of martyr, it's like, I'll never give time for me. But even Jesus does that. And he says this, verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the, le- the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself uh, to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes, again this idea, this press on his time, this press on who he is, great multitudes came together to hear, and, he, and to, to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now this verse is really powerful, verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. That Jesus is recognised the fact that of course my time is given and my time is given. I'm turning my back on the, the 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 system that says actually you've got to do this this and this. You have to have these things achieved by this stage. You've got to be dictated to by this. But at the same time, he's actually almost saying, yeah. But I'm also going to make sure there's time. And the real key thing from there is the, is the word so that it's a press on him and it says so he himself often withdrew because he's recognising the fact for me to give of myself into that situation for me to give time I've got to make sure I take time as well not in a kind of let me take it away from the people let me take time and guard time and protect time so that I can give time into those things as well so I can invest who I am and what I am into those situations as well it's just this beautiful situation of him saying look I'm going to give it but I'm also going to make sure I guard it as well and we see that in the life of Jesus and then the last one the third one is interesting because it kind of books this idea you have this idea that he gives time that he gives himself time but also um, he allows people time if you just go to Mark 10 sorry it's not Luke again Luke just go to Mark 10 and it says in Mark 10, verse 17, one of my favourite stories, but it's really interesting the way that it kind of gives another idea of this. Mark 10, verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but, but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery. Uh, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud on your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. People sat at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That you've got this idea that Jesus is about to go on his way. Jesus, it says that now he was um, going out on the road and one came running. So Jesus is about to go to where he's going to next. The, Je- the Jesus has things he wa- he's, he's wants to do, he's choosing to do. But again, he stops. He's about to go on his way, but one came running. So again, he stops. What's he doing? He's giving time again. And we see that when Jesus gives time, it seems to change situations. When he gave time to the, the kind of woman with the issue of blood, it changed her life. When he gave time to Jairus' daughter, it changed her life. When he gave time to those who came to him, they were all healed of their need, of their affliction. They were fed. 
that it changes things. And therefore there's this idea that actually, yeah, that's fine. We can give time, we can, we can invest time, we can invest all that kind of stuff because it's going to change stuff. But the challenge of that is it then becomes part of this same kind of system. It's like we do stuff as long as it makes a difference, as long as it changes something. Otherwise, if it doesn't change anything, it doesn't have the same value doesn't have the same importance. I'm not going to give time to people who aren't going to appreciate that time. I'm not going to give time to people who aren't going to allow it to change them. I'm not going to give time to people who, or situations where there's no value or purpose in it. And yet in this situation, Jesus gives time to somebody who still says no. Jesus gives time to somebody who doesn't respond, who doesn't come with him, who doesn't give up what he has to the poor, who doesn't um, make an immediate change but he still gives time to him now I believe personally that this guy is Barnabas but that's just beside the point but in the immediacy of that moment he gives time but actually he also allows time that I believe that Jesus he gives his time there's no immediate response but then he allows time he allows time to have its have, have its kind of role he allows that space he doesn't kind of pers- Persistently, kind of say, I'm going to make sure you change your mind, Rich and Will. I'm going to make sure you do this. I'm going to give more and more time in that sense to make you change because Jesus is going to okay, I'm aware right now. I've said what needed to be said. I've done what needed to be done. I've invested that time. Now I'm going to just allow you to have a bit of time. I'm going to allow whatever it is that needs to work in you for it to work in you. I'm going to allow whatever it is, the space you need for one of better expression, the space you need to allow that to work. And I personally believe we did. I personally believe this guy's Barnabas. That, that, it, that time that Jesus allowed him to have worked in him and it changed him the way that Jesus loved him. Notice it's not a cross thing from Jesus. It's not like, I can't believe you rejected me. I can't believe you said no to me. Jesus says, looking at him, loved him. The Jesus investing love through his time, through his look, through his gaze, through that moment. It's that connection. It's not a rush thing. It's looking at him, loved him. He engaged with him. And in that moment, it it works something on the inside of him. And Jesus knew actually there's nothing more I can say, there's nothing more I can do right now, you just need to be allowed to have time. I'm going to give you the space, I'm going to give you the room to let that work. And therefore, it's being led by the Spirit of God that there's some situations where Jesus turned and gave time and stayed in it, brought a change in the situation. Yet there's some where it's like, I've said what I can say, I've done what I can do, but I just know by the Spirit of God actually I just need to allow you to have time. Like to have that space you need just to think it through, just to process it, to let it work in you, whatever it may look like it's working with. And it's that idea that how he uses the, this time. Now, it is a, it is a, a leap. There's no biblical reference for it, but I believe that this guy's Barnabas. And I want to just pick up this to finish off. Just go to Acts 15. That Jesus gives time, that he gives himself time, and that he allows others to have time, to have space. And I believe all those things change the system, change the environment, because it changes how I deal with time, that, that it's a reaction against that kind of time pressing. And Acts 15 is, a, is an interesting example of that, I believe. Because when I let Jesus work that in me, it affects me and how I deal with other people, and how I manage time myself. And it says, I've lost what it is, 15 verse 36. There we go. Okay, so, then some... 
After some days, Paul and Barnabas um, said, so Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit our brethren in, in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So they're talking about going back to all the churches they've been involved in planting, all the churches where they've been involved in speaking, all the places, they're going to go back and through all those things. They've done loads of stuff up to this point. They're going to go back and check how it's doing. Verse 37. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Panaphalala, whatever it's called, and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So this... Interesting moment, because in, I'm not going to turn there now, but you can go there on your own time, that in Acts 13, that Paul and Barnabas are ministering in Antioch, and there's a, quite an intense situation with a kind of uh, a guy there, and Mark leaves them. So Mark kind of goes whilst in this very intense situation. Um, and they continue on, and, they, and they, they continue to plant church and stuff like that. But then, as you come to this point in Acts 16, where Barnabas is saying, I want to take Mark with us. I want the guy who left us, the guy who abandoned us, I want to take him with us. And Paul's saying, effectively, I'm not taking the guy who left us. And you could use another phrase, that I don't want to invest time into somebody who, who abandoned us. And it's not about whether Paul is right or Barnabas is right, and I'm not trying to just make a case of one or the other, but I just think it's interesting that, that Paul is saying, actually, that I don't believe that there's something going to work with him if we invest more time with him. He left us. He'd been with us up to that point. He was our assistant and he left us. I'm not sure what more time we can invest into him. I'm not sure what more time we can give into him. And yet Barnabas obviously strongly believes he sees something in Mark that there's actually no there's good in you, as was in everybody. And he sees that. It's like, actually, I believe with an investment of time in you, there's something good's going to come out. If I can give you my time, like we could do going back through the churches, if I can give you my time, then something's going to happen. Something's going to change. And so they obviously disagree about this, and Paul ends up taking Silas, and Barnabas takes Mark. And Barnabas and Mark go back to Cyprus. Now Cyprus is the place where Mark left them. Cyprus is the place where Mark abandoned them. And so Barnabas is giving Mark time. He's saying, I'm going to travel with you and I'm going to go first back to the place where you left us and I'm going to spend some time. We don't know what happened in that time. But the Barnabas is investing time in to Mark, into somebody who really said no. Yeah. Into somebody who really said, I'm not coming with you guys. It's, it's too intense for me. Whatever the rationale behind Mark's decision, Mark at some point has gone, no. Now, isn't that interesting that in the same way that potentially if, if the rich and ruler is Barnabas, the Barnabas said no. The Barnabas said, actually, I'm not, I'm not doing that, Jesus. I'm not going there. And yet Barnabas then recognises, as his own journey's progressed, actually, with the right use of time, things can change. With the right use of time, a person can change. With the right use of time, situations can change. So he goes with Mark, he goes back to where, the, where it all went wrong, and then they travel together. We don't know exactly where they travel, we don't know exactly what they did, because we follow in Acts the story of Paul and Silas. But we do know that, that, that something did happen. Because the time that Barnabas invests into Mark, whether immediate or long term, is kind of beside the point. Because in 2 Timothy, we just want to go there. In 2 Timothy, there was an interesting comment passed by Paul. I can't find 2 Timothy, bear me a second. It's left my Bible. There we go. 2 Timothy verse 4. 
that the the use of time as an investment, the use of time as something that's given, the use of time that's something that's allowed, the use of time is something that changes the world in which we live, that we resist the urge to be so task-driven and so to-do list-driven and so appointment-driven that we actually want to give time and space. That I'm not going to, Barnabas says, I'm not going to just go back through the churches and not invest time into this person I believe needs the time invested into them. I'm not, not just going to be so like, oh, well, we've got to do this, this and this. But actually, I'm going to invest time into this thing that might not even work, that might not even bring a change, that might not even happen, but I want to risk that thing. And that in itself sounds so easy and so normal, but that could change people in the worlds that we know. It could change those people that actually we're working with. Think, well, they're a time waster. I, they're not something that's going to have a. That, there's no seeming positive outcome of that. They're a time waster. And yet, can we see beyond that? Can we actually know there's something significant about that? Actually, we're going to invest time. And in two Timothy verse four, is so chapter four verse nine, it says this: Paul talking, talking to Timothy, writing the letter to Timothy. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Cretans for Glacia, and Titus for Dalmatians. Not Dalmatians, by the way. Only Luke is with me, well done, Luke. Um, get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful for me, for ministry. The context of this is people leaving. The context of this is people abandoning Paul. And yet something has happened in the time in between Paul and Barnabas going separate ways, Barnabas going with Mark, to the time where people are seeming to leave Paul. Something's happened in that space of time, that time with Barnabas, that time that Barnabas invested into Mark, that's then meant this person that was known for leaving, this person that was known for abandoning when the going got tough, the work of time that Barnabas invested has then meant that he's now useful for Paul in the context of other people leaving. The Barnabas chose to invest time that meant that actually something that was always there on the inside of him, something that always existed on the inside of Mark, that ability to be robust, that ability to be resilient, that ability to stay loyal, all that stuff that once existed, that always existed in Mark, that Barnabas saw, that investment of time from Barnabas saw that thing come to the fore, that therefore Paul could recognise and go, he's actually useful for me in the context of everybody else leaving me. That guy is useful. Why? Because he's not going to leave. He's going to stay. And that's the beauty of it, that, 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 that someone who once upon a time looked like a time waster to Paul became someone that actually was useful to him. And the only thing that changed is that Barnabas saw something in it that said, actually, I need to invest some time into you. I need to give some time into you. I need to sow some time into you. And actually that time, whatever happened, I think it's beautiful that we almost don't know what happened. Whatever happened in that time, caused this outcome to be and the same way with Jesus that he stopped and gave time when there was pressed on him he turned around that he invested time in what looked like silly situations that it changed things and it brought things around and he resisted the urge to just go well that's the most effective use and actually I'm going to give time where even if it doesn't look effective sometimes I'm going to give time to the time wasters time to those who actually don't say yes sometimes but also I'm going to allow time and give space for people to kind of have that time to process and think things through. 
So my encouragement to us is as we look at today's and as the next sort of three weeks, look at words, look at prayer, look at resources, that we think about how we can use what we have in our hands, how we can use what we own to, to allow those things, to reflect on those things and say, okay, how can it change me? But also how can it change the world in which we live? How can it change the people I encounter with? How, how can it bring heaven to earth in those places? So I always suggest that you'd help us, help us pinpoint, the same way you did with Jesus, help us pinpoint how to invest and give time, help us pinpoint when we need time, and help us pinpoint how to allow people time. Help us be led by you that we use time as something to love people, that we use time as something to bring heaven to earth, that we use time as something to bring hope and life and health into people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.